today we're reading from Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, let me, sorry, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, We'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear God, we want to thank you for Playgroup which is on Wednesday in the playgroup hall for kids under four. Bring $5 on a plate of food. Amen. Gracious, merciful, powerful, loving, supreme, kingly, sovereign. Dear God, we just want to thank you for who you are. Dear God, we just thank you so much. Amen. Right now, in your name, Jesus. Oh, Father God, we thank you so much, Father God, for being our Father and our God. And Father God, we just pray again for Father God. Thank you for the perichoretic union that exists in the Godhead, enabling us to extemporaneously follow Christ's intercessory example. God, we thank you so much for sending your brother Jesus so that he could come and save us from the dragons. Amazing, gentle. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. 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 And Lord, we thank you for this service. Fatherly, beautiful, majestic. Dear God the Father. Sorry. Father God, I just want to play for... We just pray that you would forgive Josh for not giving me my $10 back. He knows not what he does. And I just thank you in advance that he will give it back to me tonight. Amen. Lord... You are never going to give us up. You are never going to let us down. You are never going to turn around and hurt us. That's a bit of fun, isn't it? It's, uh, I'm sure some of us may be guilty of some of those prayers. Um, a bit quiet, a bit loud. Um, but I think prayer is a fairly universal instinct. It doesn't matter if you're religious or not, I think we all kind of get an understanding of prayer. 
that for some people that there's some kind of higher power out there who can make a difference when all else fails. And because we hear lines when there's disasters in the world, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Our prayers kind of seem to be out there. And people learn about prayer from many different places and avenues. I mean, there's one famous philosopher who once said, whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa, living on a prayer. Take my hand, we'll make it, I swear. Whoa, we're living on a prayer. I mean, John Bon Jovi got it a bit right there. When all goes wrong, we're holding on to prayer, that it seems to be a difference that can be made. Uh, And I'm quietly confident that when things get really bad for people, they go to prayer as some kind of last resort. When nothing else happens, there seems to be prayer. But if we stop down to think about it, prayer's quite odd. Uh, we, when we have a conversation on the phone, uh, we hear a voice talk back to us. Uh, but when we just talk out to the air, it, it's a bit crazy. You know, only crazy people talk into the air. And as we pray, thoughts can enter our mind, is this actually making a difference? Uh, you might have tried praying before. It may have worked. It may not have worked. Uh, things just have a way of moving. Uh, God's going to do what he's going to do. I mean, is God even listening to me? Am I misplacing my hope? And sometimes it can feel like, does prayer even work? Uh, as you pray, you, you start to drift off and you think about the shopping list you've got to do or that person you've got to catch up or that thing that I missed at work. And then you wonder, what's even the point? Uh, And some Christians firmly believe that God is there running his universe and know he's in control, but their prayer life would suggest something very different. Well, God's too busy to hear me, so I just won't pray. Or there's no real point praying because God's already got it worked out. And then you come to church and hear a sermon and the application is pray more. Uh, And you've been taught so many ways to pray since Sunday school to now, uh, and which has led to many frustrations as you work on prayer in the abstract. But I want to say that prayer is so much more. Prayer is inconnected with our whole life as we walk with God. And I think the problem is that we think we've got to have it all worked out before we come to God in prayer to know the right words, to say the right formula, and we'll be good. I mean, we hear such beautiful prayers in church. Our prayer book is full of beautiful prayers, and we think, I can't do that. But once we remember that it is all about our relationship with God, that we come who we are, we can come messy and broken, and sometimes just mustering up a few words like, God, help. And that's okay, because God is inviting us into that space. See, the focus of prayer is not prayer. The focus of prayer is God, who we grow in our relationship with. And as we grow in our relationship with God, we can become bolder in our prayers. And in our passage today, we sit at the feet of Jesus, who teaches us on prayer, teaches his disciples, us, to pray. And you can really get to know someone by their habits, by their daily rhythms of their life. Uh, It tells you what's important to them. And for Jesus, prayer was important to him. 
and his disciples noticed the daily rhythms of Jesus, that he would often go to a quiet place to be in uh, in connection with his Father. Prayer was important to Jesus. And throughout Luke's Gospel, we see many times Jesus praying or going off to pray. Prayer is a rhythm that's important to Jesus. It was such a known habit that his disciples noticed and they asked Jesus, how do we pray? They seen him do it again and again and it must be so important that they had to find out how to pray. And so they asked Jesus in verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Jesus was in constant communion with his Father. His rich prayer life was on display. But the question must have entered the disciples' minds. Why is Jesus praying? Is he not God? What's he even praying about? Does he not know everything that's happening inside his universe? But Jesus recognised his own humanity and his need to be strengthened by his heavenly Father. He depended on his heavenly Father for strength and to stay focused on the mission at hand. And so Jesus teaches his disciples a model to pray and we know it as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. It's a short prayer, but one full of gems. Jesus' model of prayer invites us to come to God who is not distant, but rather we come to a God who cares for us and we depend on God for our every need. As Jesus begins his prayer, he addresses his heavenly Father. Immediately, this would sound odd to first century ears, and if we're being honest, it's odd to us, addressing God as Father. First century uh, Jews would have known God as their covenantal God, who see him more as a king rather than father, and there's only a handful of times in the Old Testament where God is referred to as father. But here, Jesus is inviting his disciples to call God father. And father brings with it a sense of intimacy. Uh, We have a loving and caring God who we make our requests to, as a child who'd ask their parents for things. A father brings a familiar and tender image. And some might have thought that addressing God as father is a bit too casual for God. But addressing God in such intimate terms uh, does not mean that we do not have the proper respect of God. We still know God is God and we treat him such way, but we're invited to call him Father. And once we reflect on who God is, we can better approach him. We, have, uh, we say at the start of a prayer the majesty and the greatness and the glory of God. It sets a tone of worship and awe while at the same time calling him Father. We come to our Heavenly Father with our requests because we are depending on him to provide for our every need. And our dependence on God is clearly seen in this prayer as we ask God for our daily bread. And such a request suggests that the disciples' recognition of God as provider, while expressing a gratitude of thanks to the God who provides. 
I mean, there's something so basic about asking for our daily bread. We don't go to God and say, can I please have my loaf? And then I'll come back to you when I've run out. No, we come to Him daily, knowing that He provides daily. And there's an allusion to God's provision of the manna in the desert, as the Israelites would come daily to see God's generous provision. And we also depend on God for our spiritual needs, knowing that each day we fall short of the standard God has set for us. So we need to ask for forgiveness, to confess our sins, and it's on the basis that we would forgive others. I wonder if you've made that connection before. We ask God for forgiveness on the basis that we would forgive others. There's a connection between the request and the willingness of the disciple to forgive as God has forgiven us. We ask for God to do what we should be prepared to do as well. God is quick to forgive the humble who do not demand it, but see their failings instead. And we also pray for our spiritual protection uh, that God would not lead us into temptation. Uh, And the wise disciple knows that the only way to avoid falling into sin is to follow God's lead and depend on His protection. This model of prayer that is set by Jesus is short and powerful, as I said. We recognise that God is mighty and holy. He is powerfully ruling His universe and is the provider of our every need. So why is it so hard to ask God for things in prayer? Since God is so great and God is so powerful, we think we should not bother God with our requests. It can feel like what we ask God is somehow below his pay grade. As such an antidote for this thinking, Jesus explains uh, what is to come. He says, since he's just explained what we pray for, Jesus now teaches us in the manner in which we pray. Have a look at verse 5. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me. I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I mean, you could really imagine yourself in this situation uh, and it's one you don't want to be in. Jesus presents a problem. You have a friend who comes to your house late at night. They're passing through town and uh, you're not really uh, prepared. You've got no food in the pantry. Uh, You have nothing to offer your friend, which is a big problem in first century culture. Hospitality and being a good host is really important. And seeing as there was no food available, there was a problem. It wasn't like they could go to the local 24-hour Maccas and quickly sort something out. There was nothing there for them to go. And so the host has a real problem, a late-night visitor with no food to offer. And he has a choice to make. He can either be a bad host and not give any food to his guest, or he could go to his neighbour's house who might possibly be asleep, and to ask his neighbour for bread. And asking his neighbour has challenges too. In the ancient world, their house was a one-room arrangement, all the family in the same room sleeping together, wild times. And so going to wake up his neighbour means that most likely you're waking up the whole house. 
Now, those of you with kids probably just recoiled in your seats there. Getting your kids to bed on a good night is hard enough, let alone someone banging on your door at midnight saying, do you have any bread? There's a real tension in what is happening here. Jesus is basically saying, which one of you has the nerve to go wake up your neighbour at midnight and the kids are most likely asleep just to ask for some bread? It's a crazy situation. You feel the tension of the host. Do I be a bad host or do I go and wake up my neighbour and ask boldly for some bread? And in verse 8, we see what boldness in prayer does. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. The hosts request, the hosts are going to the name house. He didn't answer just because of their friendship, because they were mates. No, it was his boldness. Our approach to God in prayer is to be bold with shameless audacity. Shameless boldness, shameless audacity means that we have the nerve to ask just even once, even if it is at midnight. Just as the host was willing to go to great lengths so that he could be a good host, he had the nerve to ask his neighbour at midnight. And so we should have the same boldness coming to God in prayer. I was set to go back to the USA to do some more work at summer camps, um, but a significant hurdle came into my way. The company that I'd went to who provided my visa said to me, we can't offer you a visa this year. Uh, uh, which was hard because I already signed my contract to start work in America. I told my friends that I was going and my flights were practically booked at this point too. I was paralysed. I had no idea what to do. I had such a big thing to go and I, it just seemed like it wasn't there. And to add on to this, I had to go lead a Bible study to my boys at four o'clock that day and I was not in the right space to know what to do. I had no idea what to do, so I remember walking into my dad's office and letting it all out, and he could sense my anxiousness and worriedness, and he simply asked, had you prayed about it? And I remember at that moment to pray boldly to God that he would provide another way for me to get my visa so I could go work in America. And as I prayed, doors began to open, a new place offered me a visa, I could get there and move very quickly through the process so I could get back to work in the States. See, I had a choice. I could either just accept that, oh, that door had been shut, I'm not going back to the States this year, or I could approach God boldly in prayer, knowing that he would make a way for me. See, there might be a situation in your life right now where you're wondering, I'm just not sure. Well, have you come to God boldly in prayer? Have you brought it to him? See, there might be a problem in your work situation that you just don't know how to reconcile. Have you brought that boldly to God? Is there a problem in your family, something with your children or your mum or your dad? Have you brought that problem boldly to God? Is there something in your marriage that you don't know what's happening there and you don't know what is going to happen, but have you brought that boldly to God? Do you know someone with failing health, or you yourself have failing health? Have you brought these things boldly to God, knowing that He cares for you? 
Jesus calls for his disciples to make their requests boldly to God. See, we have access to a heavenly Father who loves and cares for us. Jesus has given us a model to pray. He's given us a reason why to pray. And we now know that Jesus would say, well, we have a generous Father who invites us to pray. And Jesus is applying what we just learned in this parable. Have a look with me. Uh, It says, so I say to you, in verse 9, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who asks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The force behind ask, seek, and knock is continual. We, are, we keep asking God, we keep seeking God, and we keep knocking. It's not as if it is one and done. But we continue to seek God and pursue God and His will. And in knocking, there's a picture of coming into God's presence and blessing. See, Jesus assures us of this response, uh, uh, assures us of response for the prayerful disciple and finds doors that are open for them. And we ask with the expectation that God will fulfill and will faithfully respond and appropriately respond. And again, Jesus illustrates his point about his willingness to answer prayer. Have a listen to verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give you a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What Jesus says here kind of sounds silly, right? Like, no parent's going to give him a snake or a scorpion uh, instead of an egg. Uh, like, imagine you've just woken up, breakfast, you're ready to get uh, woken up, ready for breakfast, and you ask mum for a big bowl of Cocoa Pops, um, getting ready to start the day, and as your mum comes and places it in front of you, it's a bowl of spiders, right? That's not good. Um, Jesus is saying, this is not how it should be, even though your, parent, your parents love for you and care for you and provide for you. They don't want to put you in harm's way. See, even though parents are willing to give the essentials to their children and even willing to give good gifts, even though you are evil, as Jesus says, I mean, that's harsh language, but he's making his point even clearer. Surely God will respond more graciously than sinful people do. See, God neither gives what is useless nor what is harmful. Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly Father give? Throughout Jesus' teaching on prayer, we're invited to see the intimacy of the Father extended to us, to his disciples, who are objects of his tender care. Let that sink in. We're the objects of God's tender care. The God of this world, the God who sits on his throne, tenderly cares for his children. So ask your heavenly Father to provide for you, knowing that he's invited us into his space and he will provide. And the gift given in mind is the Holy Spirit. Now that's a whole other sermon in and of itself, 
but in it we know that God gives us his presence, his help, his comforter, guidance and assurance that we are his children and that he is our God. And that is the best gift that we could ever receive. And so why wouldn't you want to pray for a gift like that? Sometimes God's greatness makes us think that he's unapproachable, that he's somehow busy running his universe, that he's no time for us. Or that we can get to the point that we're burdening God with things that he already knows. But we can see that God has a tender concern for his children and we come to him boldly with our requests. See, once we know who our God is, we're more readily available, uh, more ready to approach him in confidence. He's inviting us to come as a child will come to his parent. So what Jesus teaches in this passage is not about the right words, but it's the right attitude. The disciple knows to pray bold prayers because a bold prayer reflects our attitude and our relationship with the Father. So as we close, I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together, but we're going to say Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer um, that we've seen in the passage because that's what we've unpacked today. Um, So here it is up on the screen. So I invite you to stand and we'll say this together. Will you pray with me? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Amen.